Hi, welcome to the Space Biff Book Space. I'm your host, Somerset Winters Thoreau, and we have here Dan Thoreau. Hello. And Brock Polson. Hello. Yay. We're back after a short hiatus of holidays. The, back the, in 2020. The Kwanzaa break. <laughs> Today, we're talking about the book All the Birds in the Sky by Charlie Jane Anders. And first of all, we're going to rate it. Mm-hmm. Thumbs up, yes. thumbs down, and one descriptor. Yes. Oh, boy. Are we ready? Yeah. Well, oh, but we don't yes. do it on the count of three. It's audio. Right, right. I'm going to no... count to three. One. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, boy. And then we'll start <laughs> talking about it. All right, who wants to go first? I'll go first. Oh. Okay, yeah. Take yeah, that. Let's hear it. My rating is thumbs up and my word is peculiar yeah there you go who's next i'll go next okay uh and my my rating is a thumbs up uh cynical i think is my word yeah instead of saying my thumb is and then my descriptor is i'm just going to do something radical and put the adjective in front of the thumbs up or down. Weird. Okay. How bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> I'm revolutionizing the English language, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he's a writer or something. <laughs> he's always playing with with word structure. Yeah. I'm always putting adjectives in the front English of nouns. The English language Weird. is his toolbox. Man. And I am the child. Wait. Okay. I am going to give it a persuadable thumbs down. Okay. Okay. Persuadable is your word? Yeah. Okay. All right. So I... Interesting. I could be persuaded. I think you're being... I think you just did that to be contrary. It's contrary? Contrary. I've heard it both ways. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Sean. <laughs> okay. Oh, I'm first. Wrong spoilers. Right? No, that's Brock. Oh, that's Brock. What do I do? Oh, I'm bad takes. That's the name of mine. <laughs> All right, Brock, take it away. Let's do this. Oh my goodness. What? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so only a few wrong spoilers uh, uh, this time around. Um, you may be surprised to know that there were some alternate titles considered. I'm always surprised. <laughs> it's consistently surprising. It's one of those paradoxes. Uh, so the first alternate title, uh, Nihilist Hogwarts versus the Mad Scientists. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Cute. Uh, and the, uh, the other alternate title, this one, this one's a little bit uh, um, portmanteau-ish. The the other alternate title is Magic Clismic Meat Cute. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Both of those uh-huh. titles not quite as charming as All the Birds in the Sky. No, that one's much more whimsical, yeah. and uh, I think they made the right choice, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, the, and then the other uh, the other wrong spoiler. So there was a uh, a two second time machine. Much was made about this invention, uh, and uh, there there are some cut scenes that reveal some other inventions <laughs> that are as useful as the two-second time machine. Uh, the first one is the car exhaust burger grill. Uh, it's a little grill. You hook it to your exhaust pipe, <laughs> and it claims to grill a burger while you drive. Uh, Food when you arrive. Yeah, exactly. Not yeah. legal in California. <laughs> Those fascists. Wow, that's a that's a good tagline. Yeah, too. that's Grill a little tricky because most of it's in San Francisco. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> uh, the other uh, another uh, similarly useful invention: air conditioned shoes. <laughs> I could use that. Uh, maybe more. That one may be more useful. Uh, another semi-useful invention: 
that laser knife from the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy <gasps> that toasts bread while you slice it. But <laughs> you would always end up with old toast unless you ate a whole loaf of bread one slice at one toast slice at a time, <laughs> which never mind, that sounds delicious. But on the other hand, you'd have to eat pretty fast to avoid the old toast problem. Plus, you'd still have to get another knife for butter, so it's not saving you in that aspect either. Uh, also, toilet mini golf. <laughs> similarly useful invention. Huh. I feel like as long yeah. as you have a toilet, you have a mini golf. <laughs> <laughs> sure, okay. Uh, yeah, so that's that's all my wrong spoilers. Thanks. It's a short one this time. That's a good one. <clears throat> Let's see what's next here. Oh, the synopsis. Now we'll have some synopsizing so by Dan. My, I don't have my contacts in, so I can't read. I have to lean in a little she closer to, to my Someone has to sheet. really climb up on that desk. Yeah. Take it away, Dan. Okay, so this is my synopsis of All the Birds in the Sky by Charlie Jane Anders, and I'd like to apologize to uh, Derpa Derpa Weep Along for mispronouncing its name. Okay. <laughs> You'll find out. Oh yeah, the bird. Oh, and yeah, okay. Also to everyone else for forgetting their names. Sure. Okay. Okay. I read this a while ago and forgot it all. That's wow. why actually I gave it a thumbs down that was persuadable because I have like amnesia. We might just for this. We might remind you. Yes. Huh. Okay. And actually, I wrote this before, so this is I'm going to be remembering as I read this. <laughs> Fantastic. Really? Yeah. So, <laughs> okay, well, a smarter Dan wrote that, so. <laughs> a more informed Dan, maybe. Well, it's basically like Memento. Okay. <laughs> I've left this for myself, and I don't know what horrors I shall uncover in the vaults of my memory. Oh my! Yeah, I did notice most of your synopsis is tattooed across your chest. Yeah, that was interesting. I woke up and was like, "What have I done? <laughs> and who's Charlie Jane Anders?" Okay, <laughs> sometime in the near future, we're introduced to two six-year-old kids who my dad would call millennials. <laughs> At six. At six. Born after the millennium. <laughs> Patricia is walking through the woods when she stumbles across an injured bird named Derpa Derpa Weepalong. When she offers to take it home just long enough for its wing to mend, the bird's all uppity humey. Don't you know birds don't consent to being saved? Just take me to the Parliament of Birds, they'll fix me up. Patricia agrees. On the way, she and Derpa Derpa Weep Along are stalked by a cat who's all, Yeah, Humey, give me that bird or I'll bat your ankles. <laughs> <laughs> Patricia is afraid of the cat, so she runs away. <laughs> Together, she and Derpa Derpa Weep Along come upon a secret tree that is also the root of the world. Ooh, spoiler. <laughs> is it? It tells you on like the third page. This whole thing is a spoiler. <laughs> that is sort of what it All is. Right. <laughs> the birds are mean to her and demand she prove she's a witch by answering a question that I forgot about until I reskimmed the book to write the synopsis. Is a tree red? Did you guys remember that? Yes. Oh, we'll yeah. talk about that. Oh, okay. Beside me, Charlie Jane Anders cackles with clever glee. <laughs> <laughs> As a punishment for not being able to answer the question, Patricia's parents lock her in her room and slide her meals <laughs> under the door for a week. I guess she has her own bathroom. I hope so. Because it yes. doesn't explain that. No. How does she go to the bathroom? Well, she's six, or six-year-old. Almost six-year-old. Never goes? Yeah. No, Just she goes to the bathroom. <laughs> you should address that if she doesn't. <laughs> she may need her... Kidneys drained or Maybe something. Maybe she goes out the window. <laughs> Not our child. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, a boy named Lawrence is being bullied. He likes to be called Lawrence with a U, so from henceforth I will do that. Not Larry, not Lawrence of Loser Area. And not Lawrence with a W, he can hear the difference, thank you. <laughs> to stop the bullies from pestering him, he develops a wristwatch that takes him two seconds into the future. 
Although this has no effect on his classmates' macroaggressions, it does put a stop to their microaggressions. <laughs> <laughs> that was cute. <laughs> Later, he travels to see one of Elon Musk's rocket launches. There he meets other nerds like himself, all of whom have the same wristwatch. He realizes he probably has a super technology destiny. Sometime later, Patricia and Lawrence are, with a U, are attending the same school. Because Lawrence's parents know he's a nerd, they insist he spend more time outside. As a fledgling, as a fledgling witch, Patricia is all too happy to claim that she's spending time outside with him. For reasons yet unknown but of plainly great import, Theodolphus Rose, an assassin who has foreseen the destruction of the world, conspires ways to kill them. He watches as they go on mock dates at their parents' insistence. <laughs> he follows them to the mall and plans to kill them at a Dairy Queen. However, the Order of Assassins intervenes by poisoning Theodolphus, leaving a pleasant reminder note that they don't kill minors until the age of consent as determined by the state of their residence. And since this isn't South Carolina, Theodolphus won't be allowed to assassinate these children for another six years. <laughs> <laughs> Because the age of consent there is like 10. You know that? Yikes. <laughs> oh, that makes me despair. He begins to hatch an alternative plan. Over time, Patricia and Lawrence with the U grow closer. Eventually, they reveal their true natures to one another. Lawrence reveals that he's devised a deus ex closet named Change Me, a super powerful lie that hasn't yet managed the super powerful or AI parts. Patricia reveals that she once hallucinated talking to birds as a child, but has only managed to see visions since by consuming enormous quantities of hot sauce. <laughs> but don't worry, this was definitely real and not a hallucination brought on by sriracha poisoning. <laughs> Lawrence with a U is all, oh, uh, that's cool. They sit in awkward silence. <laughs> yes. Their relationship grows more awkward when both of them make cla classic high school rookie dating mistakes. Uh-oh. Patricia asks Lawrence with a U to help her talk to animals again. When he agrees, she shrieks like a bird and flaps her wings and jumps out the second story window. <laughs> classic dating mistake. Yeah. Lawrence with a U is super embarrassed for her, so he stops <laughs> talking to her. Like I said, classic rookie mis mistakes and totally equivalent. <laughs> It turns out that they're both getting bad advice from Theodolphus Rose, the assassin, who is now moonlighting as their guidance counselor. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. He has Patricia fill out a personality test that tells her she will either be a witch or a garbage collector when she grows up. <laughs> she insists it's the first one, and then he tells her that in order to become a witch, she has to kill Lawrence with a U. At this point, I turn to Charlie Jane Anders and go, we went to the same high school? <laughs> just how bad it was. <laughs> Lawrence with a U doesn't remain at Skyland High School for very long. <laughs> at the urging of Theodolphus Rose, he is transferred to a right-wing military academy where boys are given swastika tattoos and show nightly screenings of black-and-white German flicks about Der Juden Menace, which they're told are art house cuts of the prequel trilogy. <laughs> Lawrence with a U is locked in a closet naked to atone for his great-great-great-grandfather's interbreeding with a Laplander. <laughs> now that she can talk with birds, Patricia with a U is invited to magic school. Patricia with a U? Oh, dang it. <laughs> I just started putting that in after every name. <laughs> There's no U in Patricia. There sure is. Only eyes. Right. <laughs> she agrees to go to magic school, but insists that she first save Lawrence. She has Change Me tell her where he is, then uses her magic to save him. Lawrence accesses the computer and lets Change Me level up. Now his name is Peregrine. The super powerful AI disappears from the story, never to Chekhov's AI back in at a later point. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, Charlie Jane Anders skips over all the boring stuff except for periodic flashbacks. 
Over the next decade or so, Lawrence with a U makes nerd friends and goes on dates with girls out of his league, <laughs> and eventually falls into the good graces of Elon Musk to develop wormhole generators that might teleport humanity to another planet or tear holes in the fabric of reality. It's a 50-50. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, Patricia goes to magic school, which is like every other magic school you've already read about. So. Mm -hmm. That's, you know. It's magic school. It's a magic school. <laughs> school for magic. <laughs> At long last, our star-crossed lovers re-enter one another's lives through the hip 20-something scene of the Bay Area. Patricia, yeah, pretty hot stuff. <laughs> Patricia is working as a caterer and waitress while secretly using her magic to memory castrate pedophiles and heal the homeless. Oh my. She does that. Wait. Yeah, she okay. does. This is a totally faithful synopsis. <laughs> yeah, there's no exaggerations. There aren't. Meanwhile, Lawrence with a U skydives onto a billionaire's penthouse balcony to buy out his company, I think. Hot. <laughs> <laughs> now that Patricia has hit the legal age of consent in California, Theodolphus Rose tries to kill her with a foolproof plan. He's going to jump out on the street in plain daylight, dressed as a homeless person, infect her with hepatitis A through Z, and let nature take its course. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately for Theodolphus, her witch friends use magic to transform him into a statue. Take that. Yep. And there, and there goes my favorite character. <laughs> <laughs> While Lawrence with a U helps Elon Musk complete his world destroyer generator, he and Patricia are brought together by their zoons. <laughs> 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 Which have had a software update from Microsoft that makes them all behave like Facebook if it were run by a human instead of a malevolent mannequin. <laughs> 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 Their zooms direct them into chance meetings and eventually into a becondomed sexual encounter. <laughs> Lawrence meets Patricia's weird magical friends who put him under the sea witch curse, so he'll lose his voice if he talks about magic. <laughs> sea witch curse. It's the same curse. You're right. Totally missed that. At yep, last, Lawrence with a U has helped complete the World Destroyer Generator. Unfortunately, <laughs> they send one of their teammates into it to scout a new world. But she disappears! Oops! <laughs> Apparently, that isn't what teleportation is meant to do. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Lawrence with a U is distressed, so he calls upon Patricia to help. She uses her magic to get his teammate back, but warns that the World Destroyer Generator might de generate destroyed worlds. <laughs> it's right there on the label. May cause between zero and one yeah. destroyed worlds. And if that happens, the witches might resort to an uber spell called the Unraveling that does something nobody can guess. I raise my hand to guess what it does, but Charlie Jane Anders delivers a withering glare that makes me put it back down. <laughs> <laughs> to avoid the necessity of deploying the unraveling, the witches attack the World Destroyer Generator. At the same time, to avoid the necessity of confronting her 20-something relationship problems, Patricia goes along to destroy Lawrence with a used life work instead of communicating with him. The nerds fool the witches by having hired security dudes five years earlier and given them good enough salary and benefits to risk battling witches. <laughs> <laughs> the security dudes riddle the witches with bullets and it turns out that magic isn't actually useful at some things. The witches fool the nerds back by casting spells that destroy the world destroyer generator. Patricia floats away while Carl Lawrence with a U cradles <laughs> his true love, the world destroyer generator. Aww. It Aww. is dead. Aww. Yeah. It's a bummer. You had so many worlds left to destroy. Yeah. <laughs> Dozens. Yeah. Sometime later, the world is apparently a post-apocalyptic dystopia where people sing to each other a lot. <laughs> <laughs> the witches and nerds continue their war in the background. Patricia and Lawrence with a U are both sad and spend a lot of time moaning about how they were betrayed by the other. Their zoons keep pinging them to get back together. <laughs> After the requisite amount of tension building time, Charlie Jane Anders lets them. <laughs> Turns out their zoons are peregrine. Fake out. Weird. And more than that, 
Peregrine is looking for an answer to the riddle from the beginning of the book. Do you remember it? No, 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 don't talk about it, because before I can get around to remembering, <laughs> Elon Musk drives a tank into witch command, shooting wildly and killing tons of witches. <laughs> sad. That's a sad part. This is literally yeah. what happens. I know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Patricia goes to defend the witches, but Elon Musk is too powerful. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fun thing for for our podcast to record. <laughs> Eventually, Lawrence with a U realizes the trick to defeating Elon Musk, telling him about magic on the Joe Rogan experience while stoned. <laughs> this makes Lawrence with a U lose his voice, but also distracts Elon Musk long enough that Patricia stabs him with magic lightning, I think. <laughs> <laughs> the boss witch reveals that the unraveling will make everyone violent toward one another, which is also the ending plot of Deus Ex Human Revolution and also Kingsman, just in case you were wondering. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Patricia tells the boss witch not to use the unraveling, and the boss witch is just like, okay. <laughs> that, that, Roger fixes, that. that fixes you that problem. So. <laughs> That's literally what happens. No, it's not. It's it is. That's what happens. No, She's like, the unraveling is bad, and the boss witch is like, all right, we won't do it. <laughs> <clears throat> Even though it seems like a happy ending because Elon Musk is dead and the unraveling isn't going to happen, <laughs> the story isn't over yet. Patricia and the now-mute Lawrence with a U travel to the bird's parliament. Some flabby pelican gatekeeps the way and asks the riddle again. Is a tree red? Patricia gives the boldest answer that anyone can ever give, kids. I don't know. Brave. There is nothing braver that you can say than I don't know. Now that that G.I. Joe lesson is finished, <clears throat> the pelican also doesn't know whether that's the answer or not, so it lets them pass. The tree is all, what is up, humies? <laughs> Patricia requests the war between nature and technology that it should end. At that moment, Lawrence with a U plugs his Zoom into the tree's <laughs> USB 3 socket. <laughs> Which actually wouldn't work because the Zune never existed at the same time as a USB 3. <laughs> so that's a real big problem, Charlie Jane Anders, in case you're listening. Also, it's near future, but it's not USB-C. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Peregrine and the tree merge into one entity. Turns out Peregrine was partially magic from the beginning and only needed a way to... F <laughs> and only needed to find a way back to his roots. hey <laughs> With a DNA test from Ancestry.com. <laughs> Their unity heals the world, I think. With hearts both heavy and light, Patricia and Lawrence with a U hold hands and head back into the world to lead it into a new dawn, I guess. I'm not sure. The end. Hey. Okay. So that was Very my... Well I'm done. sorry that it... Uh, this was a weird book. What a lovely synopsis. Yes, peculiar. Yeah. It's a weird, yes, peculiar. <laughs> Quite so. <laughs> oh, okay, now it's my turn. Bad takes. I just found a couple. Okay. All right. Um, I feel that this is a bad take. Yeah, this is all, I can, our first sentence is a bad take. Perfect for yeah. a 13, 14 year old. Mm, no. <laughs> I liked the part where it was talking about him splashing into a condom. Yeah. <laughs> after she blew magic sex dust on his nipples. Right. And I was like, <laughs> at first I turned over and Forgot Ben was like, Summer! <laughs> but she was like, I don't have magic sex dust. <laughs> oh. Oh, yeah, I was wow. going to put that in the synopsis, and I forgot. <laughs> I was going to put in the part where I'm like, Summer, and then you're like, six months postpartum. <laughs> 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 oh, well, I flubbed that call back. Yeah, we'll get, you'll get to it. <laughs> oh. Magic. oh, boy, the magic dust. That was... Would you recommend something. this for a 13 or 14 year old, Brock? No. No, no. 
No, I mean, even so, even the very beginning where they're children, they're like being tortured. <laughs> I don't yeah. think I would want. I mean, okay, like maybe a couple of years older than that, I would, might be okay, but that sex scene too. But I also, I yeah, I, so. yeah, I mean, so there were like, there were the sex scenes that would definitely, uh, you know, I would definitely not recommend. But also, it's it's very like, uh, hipster culture. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, yeah, a thirteen-year-old doesn't care about like these coffee shop folks. Plus, we don't want them to <laughs> about da- dating Sarah. Plus, we don't want them yeah, to think that that's how life is. <laughs> Yeah, for real. I think I would have been pretty thrilled if I'd found this at 13. (laughs) I would have read it. I would have read two of its parts, like, a lot. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. Oh, boy. Uh, Yeah. 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 Boy. Not perfect for a 13, 14-year-old. Yeah, probably. Probably not. And then the the other one that I thought didn't quite get it, wrote, did not finish. It's young adult. Nowhere on the book cover does it say it's young adult. And it's very young, young adult. I did not read too far into it. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, they certainly did not. (laughs) I I could see getting that impression based on, like, you know, rescuing a wounded bird and, like, finding out that you're magical and then also having a nerd friend who, like, you know, clearly something is going to happen there. I can see, I guess, reading that portion and going, oh, I can see exactly where this is going, and it's so young adult. Uh, and then it gets pretty adult <laughs> Short, <laughs> yeah. shortly after that. What point for you is when it becomes adult, Brock? I mean, I, I guess when, uh, I guess when condoms are discussed, that's <laughs> that's a uh, maybe not the line, but. That's uh, yeah. That's something that becomes adult. I kind of um, thought it was the fascist fantasy camp. <laughs> also oh really? That. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, because like with where he gets sent at the right. Because like I, I so I, I'm trying to remember who said it, um, but like young adult stuff should feature like peril that kids are smart enough to like delineate from their own peril. Mm-hmm. And fascism is kind of like oh man, there are idiot fascists. Yeah. Hmm. And it was definitely something he couldn't escape from without help. Yeah. Without, like, pretty major help <laughs> from a magical yes. witch and a supercomputer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and I think, I feel like the level of hazing was also beyond young adult. Like, locked naked in a closet. Mm-hmm. And, like, I feel like that, that steps past the severity that you usually see in young adult like even even young adult books that feature like war and violence and stuff like that's very personal and severe uh and and very uh individual focused you know one of our heroes mm-hmm. like going through this traumatic thing yeah okay so we agree that as adults we read an adult book yes mm-hmm. oh nice yes Okay. We've established something. All right. So those yeah, were yeah. those were those were the two bad takes I found. Uh, all right, Brock. Take away our discussion. Um, so I did want, um, and since you mentioned it, uh, let's let's talk about is a tree red. Mm-hmm. Uh, was was this the worst? book-long mystery that you've ever experienced? <laughs> yes. I no. was so irritated. Six weeks. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. So, and I think, I feel like that one was bad for its convoluted nature. And this one was was bad in sort of a shrug way. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh. Yeah. That's it? That's the answer? Well, it was birds asking the question. I mean, it's not like it actually solved anything. It was just like the birds being like, well, is a tree red? Because the birds are having some discussion. They're birds. And they're flighty. Ah. Oh, interesting. Rock, did you get it? <laughs> uh, what? They're feather brain? <laughs> hmm? What's that? The question was for the birds. <laughs> hey, now we're getting somewhere. 
I feel like I'm walking on eggshells in this discussion. I wait, why? <laughs> oh, <laughs> well done, well done. <laughs> You're I, really branching out. So I, oh my gosh, <laughs> just six more. Somewhere. I think a, I think a lot of people are focusing on this question and that it was something important, but I really don't think it was because it was seriously just birds having a discussion and then being like you become a witch or not, whether you answer this question. But that's absurd, because they're birds, and they're not the ones who give magic. <laughs> that's just me. That's my, t that's my take on this whole is a tree red question. Interesting. Huh. What do you our, think? Our hero certainly seems to think it. It had some weight. Well, it helped, her, it, helped her get back to the, it helped her get back to the tree. Well, I, um, and but the question was itself, like, I think, is not important. Well, even Peregrine was like, my entire existence is to solve this question, maybe. And I was <laughs> like, right. oh, man, I didn't even think it was a question. <laughs> when I heard it, I was just like, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not like it's a deep question. It's just some freaking so, birds. <laughs> so maybe is the... Is the moral then that she she didn't answer it? And, you know, she she doubted herself. So maybe it is. A, so this is a YA moral that she doubted herself and then she lost her magic. Yeah, an easy Because if she, yeah. if she had said yes or no or sometimes, if she had answered, if she had, you know, <laughs> done anything, it would have been an acceptable answer, it seems like. I mean, I hope it's not that. I hope it's not that because that is just so trite. It, it really, to shoehorn it really in is. some young adult moral into like, <clears throat> you need to have confidence in yourself. Yeah. Even what you're having confidence in is that you don't know. She's <laughs> like, oh. Yeah, that's crone worthy for sure. <laughs> you <come laughs> oh. went through all this effort and that's what you're telling me? That's the takeaway? Uh, that's what she learns as a 30-something year think, old. Okay, so here, okay. Maybe... So I feel like this is a good segue into the question that I wanted to ask, if that's okay, Brock. <gasps> I'll allow it. Okay. Thanks, Brock. Thanks, yeah. discussion judge. Wow, you, that's <laughs> really kind. <laughs> okay, so this question was one of many examples in this book where I had some big expectations going into the book. <clears throat> mm -hmm. So right on the front of the book, <clears throat> there is a, a blurb uh, by Michael Chabon. Is it, Sh how do you say his name? Chabon. I've heard it both yeah. ways. <laughs> by Michael Bonbon, <laughs> where he says, um, the very short list of novels that dare to traffic as freely in the uncanny and wondrous as in big ideas. I think of masterpieces like The Lathe of Heaven, Cloud Atlas, Little Big, has just been extended by one. And so I, I read that, and I was going, wow, like, I, my favorite fantasy novel ever written is Little Big by John Crowley. Mm -hmm. And it means a lot to me. And, and it does. Yes, it does. I am Smokey Sometimes Barnable. Sometimes he says he's Smokey <laughs> Barnable, and he starts to cry. And I'm like, honey, you're not Smokey. <laughs> you are not Smokey Barnable. Anyway. You're not Smokey. I'm smoking. You are not smoking. I need to. I need to read this thing so that I, so that I can also decide whether you are Smoky Barnable. So I. So one thing I was thinking of proposing for this podcast actually is that over the summer we read, um, Little Big, and maybe do, um, it's five books long, five sections, and, and maybe okay. do one a month or something, and then discuss it. And we have interest from some people who might join us for that. Mm. Which I, so, I mean, we're going to pull back the podcast curtain uh, because we have emailed about this. Um, when I started to read Little Big a couple months ago and then decided to stop because you mentioned this idea. Um, you know, so it's not for, it wouldn't be for six months or so, but I, I think it would be really, an, I think, an interesting format to... Uh, to do uh, shorter chunks of a book and and sort of explore it more in depth with some uh, with some smart and fun people, I think that could be really cool. And me. And me. <laughs> I would also be there. Um, well, I'd probably be there too since I host this thing. Yeah. Well, so anyway, 
so I went into it th with this enormous expectation that I, I is this going to be Yikes. as good as Little Big? And Little Big has a lot of things like the tree is red, where it's kind of the like portentous things, and some of them turn out to kind of defy your expectations or be a, a letdown. Some of them are actually portentous. They do actually mean things in Little Big. Right, but they often do actually mean <laughs> things, even if the meaning isn't what you anticipated. Yeah, and sure, it's, and it's a, which is good writing. Right, and, and it, it's, it's just such a tremendous novel that I was going through this and I was enjoying, I really love Charlie Jane Anders' prose. I love all of the little jokes. Mm -hmm. It has a great amount mm -hmm. of whimsy. Yeah. And I was still just feeling disappointed that I wasn't getting like this life altering novel about. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's life altering, but it's definitely different and new, but it's not little big. Yeah. Well, and that's where I think my persuadable thumbs down comes <laughs> from is because I was expecting from that comparison. Mm -hmm. So really, this isn't on Charlie Jane Andrews. It's on Michael Chabon. Right. Um, for invoking that on the book yeah. cover. <laughs> what a D. <laughs> Dingus. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's a pretty high, um, that's a pretty high bar to reach. Yeah. But I, I was really enjoying, like, the sentence-level whimsy. There were a few times I laughed out loud. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I feel like if I were to read it again in a few years, now that I expect that I'm going to be reading that kind of book, that's, a, that's this muddying of darkness with really funny humor, mm -hmm. I think I would mm -hmm. like it more. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. I, um, I, and I, I feel like I had similarly high expectations because there's just... Uh, lots of praise about this book, um, and and so I do think in in some ways it kind of let me down. Um, but I agree. I th I think it's cleverly w written. Uh, you know, I think the prose is enjoyable. Uh, there are some really good extrapolations of uh, kind of current uh, social mores and. The way that technology is in our lives, I think Charlie Jean Anders does a good job of projecting those into the future. And magic. Uh, I liked the magic. Uh, yeah, and adding magic too. Like the Ernesto character was one of my favorites, just because it was so weird that he was. Oh yeah. He was like this mold <laughs> nature. <laughs> he was so creature. like full of full of life. Full of nature magic that he would just like explode if he wasn't in like some containment. Mm. <clears throat> yeah. I thought, yeah, I thought, I thought that, that was, was really, really cool. creative. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, uh, um, th there's an interesting moment where, uh, Lawrence with a U, uh, <laughs> calls on Patricia to, uh, you know, to come and, and, and rescue his friend. Um, what did, what did you think of that sort of, uh, intersection of magic with technology? Uh, is that something you have seen in other books where, because um, I, I think that often books are one one or the other. You know, we either have sci-fi or we have magical fantasy. Um, but what did you think of that, uh, that intersection that she comes in and uses magic to solve a technology problem? Did we ever get like a favor going the other way <laughs> where technology solves anything? That I was trying to think problem with. Yeah, I was trying to think of that um, if if it was ever reversed because I think that would have been a clever piece of symmetry. Well, is it but just I can't is think, it I can't is it Peregrine like linking with the tree? Maybe and yeah. expanding but the network the, that way. Like, is the is the tree the fault? I kind of got the sense that like us and technology were the problem anyway because yeah. they're like destroying the world. <clears throat> And then, yeah, you plug Perig. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe maybe that is the symmetry, but it's just not tidy enough for our small brains. <laughs> yeah. Little bird brains. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of that part, Brock? Um, I thought it was good. I, th I thought it was a good, uh, a fresh take on um, sort of fantasy and sci-fi. And, and a good way to sort of jumble them together uh, that uh, you know that 
this guy who who puts a lot of trust in technology yeah. and um, and then it you know utterly fails him and he has to reach out to a person he trusts uh, because he knows that she is powerful in a way he doesn't grasp yeah speaking of genre I felt like so there's fantasy and science fiction didn't you think that what this really was was an underwritten episode of television where like the drama all arises from the characters failing to communicate like even the, <laughs> even their most basic thoughts and needs <laughs> uh, yeah that is an interesting point um, yeah because it, it like if they, you know, if they had had certain conversations, just sit down and like talk about the, the actual dangers that they're uh, unleashing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, that's always kind of the litmus test is, is the problem solved by one conversation? And it is basically <laughs> in the end. It's that they're like, you made me feel bad. Well, you made me feel bad. And they're both like, oh. Oh, I didn't mean to. Oh, it looks like we miscommunicated. <laughs> and now we have the power to save the world. <laughs> Through communication and love. And, uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, that's fine, fair enough. But uh, <laughs> it does always drive me a little nuts whenever... It's like, yeah, I, it drives me nuts when, in a story, the, the protagonist, like, all of the problems just arise from their inability to have, like, a... DTR. You know, <laughs> <laughs> well, but they were not able to have the DTR because the end of the world occurred like right after they made out. There was more than making out. Well, I know. Like right after, <laughs> okay. Right after they made did love. the hibbity dibbity. After they, so they smuggled Samwise Gamgee into Mordor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they couldn't so. have the DTR. Yeah. Uh, but then they avoided each other. I don't know. But that that is that is kind of a thing is like they are because of technology, they are incredibly easily connectable. Right. Like and, and so if this even is some if the world is ending around you, you can have that conversation. Right. <laughs> like that's the thing. In a fantasy story, they would be separated by like a, vol a volcano rift, you know, like something would actually right. physically keep them apart. In this one, it's just that they're too stubborn to dial a number. And they don't even have to enter the number. No. They could be like, yo, Zune, call so-and-so. Yo, Zune. So what do you think? Are cyborgs and wizards going to be the same thing? What does that look like? So that's what it says at the end, where it says... Um, that there will be cyborgs and wizards, and then the peregrine tree is like, in the future, there will be no difference between cyborgs and wizards. Yeah. So is it... Uh, or maybe she says Shadow that. Someone says that. Are we talking Shadowrun, or are we talking Warhammer? Oh, man, I hope it's not either. <laughs> <laughs> Those both went so well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, but when, once... Once you've got magic merging with technology, you uh, weird stuff starts to happen. That's when you start praying to your gun. <clears throat> yep. Uh, well, or, so I, or it's when um, the world ends in um, Stone Sky, the books we just read. The fifth season. The fifth season. Broken Earth yeah. trilogy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's what happens. Uh, well, right, and that's an example of a book that does a really good job of delaying a conversation with really the characters kind of both want to shout at each other. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. If they yes. could just have the conversation, they'd probably just get it over with. Yeah. But because they have to travel across an entire exploding continent. That makes it a little <laughs> tricky. Yeah. Yeah. It presents difficulties. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, did it... I, I feel like I had this... Uh, this thought at the back of my mind did did this feel more like a series of vignettes than than like a, a, a completely thought out story was that was that just me or did you have a similar feeling I felt it was a little disjointed and and some of that might be the editing process so I I was reading uh, on the uh, 
primary uh, source site known as Wikipedia. <laughs> um, I've heard of this. That Charlie I've Jane proved. Anders had done like six drafts before even deciding to make it about the relationship. And hmm. that there were aliens and that the, the technology war between tech and magic was actually more developed. Um, and in the end, the decision was, no, this is really about these two characters. That's where it, mm -hmm. it has its heart. So I was kind of wondering, did, did some of the previous drafts get chopped into some of these vignettes? Were they meant to be asides, you know, backstory? And then they became, but I actually kind of liked the way it was told. Mm -hmm. um, I liked the idea of kind of, so one of the things I really respected about it is I, I, always, I often worry that my own writing is very stiff. And so I like the idea of just, it feels like Charlie Jane Handers just, just wrote, you know, whatever yeah. came to mind. And, and, and include, you know, and, and so it feels, it feels conversational and, and funny and like, at the same time, uh, well done, you know, and, and really coherent right. and readable. And, when yeah. it, and as for the questions of, like, who's telling the story and who's the listener, I feel like the answer is Charlie Jane Anders and you. Like, there's no, mm -hmm. there's, yes. there's no conceit trying to solve that. Mm -hmm. And that allows Charlie Jane Anders to have these moments where, well, you're going to hear something funny, and it's clearly from the author. It's not the character's <laughs> thoughts. It's just some goofy thing. That, that's yes. being thrown in there. And I, I liked that for this book. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I thought it actually worked pretty well. I don't know if it, you know, it wouldn't work for every book. Like, you know, what a revelation it was when we were reading the Broken Earth trilogy. Is that what it's called? Yes. Yeah. And, and you find out who you is and, uh -huh. mm -hmm. you know, and who's telling this story. All those things have weight. Um, and this has a whimsy instead yeah. it has a lightness and it's meant to yeah it's yes. not trying to create a weight in that way through its narrative structure right and so i really appreciated the way the story was told i um, my one my one um so this is another parallel with little big is that little big has a this kind of enigmatic very talented character who weaves in and out of the narrative who's just fascinating Little Big also has the presence of mind to not get rid of that character like a third of the way into the story, <laughs> because I really missed the Adolphus. Um, he, he yes. was funny. He was just so funny, and he was so gormless, and he's apparently the ninth best assassin, and yet there is <laughs> nothing to recommend that is true. <laughs> sure. Um, and I love that his downfall in the early scene is that he just loves ice cream. Yeah. Um, and so he's like, I think this ice cream is poisoned. I do think my favorite thing about him is how gormless he is. And, uh, of course, I know that uh, that means he lacked intelligence or vitality. Uh, <laughs> that, I definitely noticed that. Well, it counterpoints it, doesn't it? Because it's like, he knows how to, he, by the time he was 14, he knew 100 ways to kill a woman without her lover awakening in the bed beside <laughs> yeah. her. But then right. the guy's just like tripping over his shoelaces all the time. Yes. He's, he's, I, I he's do. useless. I, I, I feel like that's... Um, just because you know how to do something doesn't mean you can do it. <laughs> sure, yeah. But also being so hyper-focused in one area um, that, you know, that you become incompetent in all others. <laughs> I just, I really like that. One that, like, w the first time he's introduced is when uh, Patricia and Lawrence with a U are, 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 in a, are sitting there in, in, like, the Dairy Queen or wherever, and they're talking about people's funny, fast histories. And they say, mm -hmm. that guy's that an, guy's assassin, an assassin, assassin because of his shoes. <laughs> and then it skips straight to, and this is so emblematic of the way that Charlie Jane Anders narrated this, is it switches to Theodolphus was feeling put out that his shoes had given him away yeah. yes. because he put a lot of pride into being able to blend into crowds. <laughs> and I laughed out loud at that, and I really wish that he had stuck through the narrative somehow. Yes. Um, yeah, I was, a little I was a little surprised that he was taken care of so easily. Because yes. I wanted an assassin like that to kind of stick around for a while. Well, and the ease of his dispatch of his dispatching is so in line with him. Yeah. <laughs> sure. But he was so fun. Yeah. Um, and later, when it gets super serious, neither Lawrence nor Patricia 
I don't, I hate to say this, I, I didn't really care that much about the relationship. <laughs> I, you know, it was colorful, it was still funny, but they're both kind of dour. No, and, I didn't, I didn't root for them really yeah. <laughs> at any point. Like, yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, when they get together, I'm like, oh, that's nice. You know, but they couldn't be with anybody else. Yeah, it was kind of that. It was, well, you know, I don't want him ruining Serafina's life. <laughs> right. <laughs> kind of inevitable. And so, so yeah, I wish the Adolphus had... He would have made a great foil to those two mm -hmm. in the back half of the book, I think. <clears throat> and, and so I really even missed if, his character. Even if he was just a silly foil, like he was, like, he, you know. Yes. Right, that he's there to kind of be the one who they're doing something important, and he's he's the guy who trips he's over a like, root in the tree, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> Can I kill him now? <laughs> yeah, um, I think I think those are good points. Uh, it, so, um, what what uh, what is particular or unique? Do you think about this book's vision of the future? Well, it sucks. Zunes. <laughs> yeah, the zune has made a I, big comeback. Was this? Um, gosh, now now I'm wondering if I imagined this from something else. Are they triangular? They're teardrop shaped. I know this That's because what I it just was. finished it. <laughs> so maybe I'm thinking of the office where they they try to launch a triangular <laughs> tablet. Teardrop shaped is not better. Like. I just feel like there's a reason that we have things rectangular. Yeah. Like, you just, you can use all that available space. Yeah, maximize your I just th surface. thought, like, teardrop-shaped is dumb. <laughs> will never happen. <laughs> uh, do you, <laughs> that was do you remember a little, within maybe the last year, and and maybe this was an April Fool's thing because I haven't seen anything else about it. But there was a company who was basically selling a a secondary cell phone that it it wasn't its own cell phone with service. It would link to your phone, and it was just a smaller smartphone. Like it, and it, and it was like okay, we you know we had small cell phones, we had smartphones. Smartphones get bigger and bigger. We have phablets. Okay, well now, to connect to your phablet, here's a little phone. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. That doesn't have anything to do with this book. My but. Fa my father-in-law purchased a small smartphone. Yeah. Okay. Well. Why His BlackBerry I just expired. So he got a yeah, new this phone, is a, this and, isn't it's, a joke. and it's the size of his palm. Oh, I love it. It's teeny. Yeah. So he can I, use the same belt holster. Yeah, like a little stylus. Yeah, the same belt holster. <laughs> yeah, there's a... I swear I see tons of old people with, like, smartwatches, too. Yeah, oh, Isn't yeah. Isn't that just the same thing? But oh, it's man. not a teardrop that'll just slide right out of your pants. <laughs> right. Every time you go to a movie. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yes, I see lots of old people. I see more old people with smart watches than I do young people. I bet. It seems like because yeah. old people have watches on. Uh, yeah. And they're like, but now it's smart. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I see them checking, like that they got a message, I'm like, wow, it really is the future. You can check your messages <laughs> on your wrist. Like right on your wrist. And you can only use one hand because your other one is there <laughs> holding <laughs> it up like this. It's Next the future. To your, eyes. your eyes. It is indeed the, the future. <laughs> the future that Dick Tracy imagined. <laughs> Uh, anywho. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so, you know, lots of good future stuff. Um, I think there were some fun, like, uh, sort of uh, cynical takes on on uh, where where technology will go. That was your descriptor um, word. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I think the 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 extent to which this social media, you know, has just penetrated everyone's lives every part of everyone's lives um I, I it's sort of funny and also chilling and, and like okay yeah that's that is a logical conclusion of what we are doing how, yeah. how lucky we'll are they that peregrine didn't turn out to be a giant douche yeah, <laughs> yeah seriously 
It would be really? as though a giant mannequin had taken over our social media. <laughs> <laughs> a giant douchey mannequin <laughs> who keeps testifying yep. before Congress. And, and motionless. And drinks water like he's just remembering how for the first <laughs> time. Must hydrate. <laughs> Fleshy form. That form needs hydration. Uh, Alright, well that's all I... That's all I've got. Well, I hey. think that was a lovely discussion. Hey, I'm so personally too. excited for when I can pull my Zune on <laughs> my wrist out to tell me where my friends are at all times. Yeah. Super excited. Yeah. <laughs> Who needs privacy or yeah. not being not being tracked? <laughs> <laughs> Only criminals. Exactly. And people of color. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that one got sad. Well, that's we've read a lot of I books mean, where there were, there were so racial dynamics, and this one just kind of was not. Was not. No, uh, that's true. But there was there was no. Actually, that was that was something I had kind of thought about. Is um, so? Uh, did, did you think there was any sort of queer or trans narrative here? Yeah, so I um, saw that this was... So I understand that Charlie Jane Andrews is transgender. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yes. I believe so. Okay. And so there was a book on how to cross-dress lazy or something. Like the book, I can't remember. Oh, okay. Like so I just oh, was there? That, I, oh, I'm, that I Andrews wrote. Oh, okay. I didn't research that. Oh. Um, <clears throat> so I was wondering, because I saw that this had been a runner-up in some sort of, like, non-binary book contest... But I was kind of going, huh. like, the author, okay, but, like, is the yeah. book? The story, I don't know. Because actually no, it I, seemed pretty normative. It, <laughs> it, it did. and Like, maybe there were themes or, or something that I missed, um, you know, because that's not my primary lens. <clears throat> um, but, yeah, I wondered if, if you noticed anything or... Um, well, I wasn't even looking for it. I found that out again on the Wikipedia. Um so, but I, I was surprised to see that because, so I, I do have a background in historiography and one of the way, you know, queer history, which is not at all the area of my focus, but it's one of those things where every incoming uh, person in a grad school does have to kind of, you, you learn an overview of every major historiographical method. Mm-hmm. And I didn't notice much going on there. I kind of wondered I if think there was... There was a transgender character. Wasn't okay. there one yeah. of the one of the witches? Was one of the witches? I think, I think so. so. Um, I and I also kind of wondered if it was a, um, if it was just sort of discovery of her, you know, of her power and her, um, her differentness as a child, um, that that was sort of standing in, um, but I but I, I didn't see that as a through line. That 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 could be standing in for. Mm-hmm. Um, for a queer, I mean, maybe uh, maybe status. aggrandizement, like that. Her her in her culture, her magic culture, it is wrong to set yourself apart. And in okay. and in the end, one of the ways that they solve the problem is she kind of says, "Screw that," and she goes and talks to Magic Tree. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I mean, but even then, I'm not sure that that, like, you'd have to start from the place where you're saying this is a book through which you can read it as queer theory. Like, it's not something I'd be reading and going, oh, okay. Um, yeah. Whereas there are plenty of books where... Th- so so the book we're going to read next month is one that I feel like you can look at through a gender lens, and it's very natural. You don't have to come okay. into it expecting that. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas this one, yeah, I, I didn't pick it up personally. Yeah, I don't know that it's meant to. Okay. I think that would be something if... Uh, if whoever listened to this, whoever listened to our podcast eight times last week, uh, <laughs> thank you. If you have any insights on that, uh, shoot us a, an email, uh, spacebiffbookspace at gmail.com. Yeah. Here we let's, go. Let's talk about it. Okay. So, us. so Dan did bring up the book that we're going to read next uh, is called Ancillary Justice by Anne Leckie. Yeah. Yes. Yep. And I'm pretty excited. Um, 
I've read it before, so has Summer. You have not, Brock, right? I have not. No, it's... Um, I'll be interested to go, to go back list. to it. Yeah, it will be interesting to reread it. And um, so this is one of my favorite books from a few years ago. It, it is a trilogy, but the first book stands it's alone. the best. And it's the one that is the best. The, the did next it win? It won something, didn't it? Or did it not? Um, I have it right here. Let me, let me look at it. I think it was nominated. I think that's part of why it's on my list. Oh. Yeah, I, I, it has to have gotten a nomination. Um, I mean, if Anne Leckie's Provenance One can Nebula. get a nomination. So it won the Nebula. And the Arthur C. Clarke. And Arthur C. Clarke. Okay. Oh, cool. Yeah, so 2014 awards. It, I feel like it deserved some awards. It's a very good book. So I'll be excited to read that with you folks <laughs> next week. Uh, well, next, next month. month. Uh, <laughs> we might as well we start be next that week fast. to read it. But. Yeah. Okay. All right, thank you. Yeah. Goodbye. Thanks for the chat. <laughs> That's our outro. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>